It weighs less than most feathers, or paper clips for that matter. Hundreds can fit in the palm of your hand. It most likely is the most consumed plant in the world, providing over one-fifth of all calories consumed by humans. A single grain of rice. I'm interested to learn where rice comes from. I mean, where it really comes from. The origins of rice. I figured the answer would lie somewhere between a dusty archaeologic dig and a very clean high-tech laboratory. This led me to Dr. Dorian Fuller and Dr. Susan McCooch. Plants tell a very important story, which is very closely, in the case of rice and other crops, closely intertwined with the human story. In the Yangtze Valley, we have hunter-gatherers, so they're using wild resources, and this new wetland grass comes into their environment, and so they start encountering and using rice. And the evidence we have from China suggests that there's very low-scale use for a long time. There's no reason to think any of that is cultivated or domesticated. It's just in the environment, people use it a little bit. And then the story really begins eight or 9,000 years ago. And during that period, people seem to really start to, in parts of the Yangtze Valley, settle down and sort of start to build settlements that are more permanent. If you're gonna do that, you need to have storable food supplies. Now you can store things like acorns and they're clearly doing that and water chestnuts. But what's different in, 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 the, in the context of China is that they're adding rice to that. And one of the things about rice that is different is that it's, it's more readily open to manipulation. So because it's a, an annual plant, because it grows and produces grains after a few months, you can plant it, you can expand its range, and you can create a surplus that's a bit more predictable. So it gives you a, a sort of extra bit of surplus that then you can do other things with. So you can support larger families, you can support craft producers. If you have enough extra rice, you can trade it for other things. So there's various lines of evidence that suggest you have the, the emergence of a kind of social ecology that's interested in prestige, and then being able to produce a kind of predictable surplus of a food resource like rice would give some individuals, some families, some households an edge. So one of the first things that people have, have to do as they get in, into rice that they must have realized is that the stuff that grows in the kind of drier margins is producing more grain. Uh, and so uh, what you do is you start to plant your rice on the drier wetland margins, or you start to make artificial wetland margins that you can drain yourself. Uh, and so at about um, 6,000 years ago, we have a number of sites uh, in this region, in fact, just outside of what's called Suzhou City, which is the sort of first city west of Shanghai, due west of Shanghai, where you actually have preserved early rice field systems. And they're carving little oval, oval to rectangular fields, which are only uh, one and a half, two meters across. So tiny little things, the size of a small table. And they're uh, 30, 40 centimeters deep. Uh, but, but what that allows is very tight control of things like water, and soil conditions, because of course, if you're gonna also produce a productive crop, you need to pack more plants in. Uh, and then these fields are connected by little sort of channels to a few deeper pits, which then allow you to drain the water out into something deeper. So one of the first things they're doing is they're starting to create an artificial landscape where they can really manipulate the soil and water conditions to produce more rice and more grain. And that set of conditions is uh, forcing the rice plant to change. So the rice plant is evolving. What we have today are remnants 
that have survived and been passed on to the varieties that have endured. Uh, currently surviving things don't have the same construction of genetic material, but they've all inherited the genetic material from those ancestors. Along the way, some of the genetic material has been lost because certain lines, lineages become extinct. We don't know about those. But it's rare that things become totally extinct. So they get, pieces of them get passed on. And the job, the interesting thing for the geneticist today is to take what has survived or been transmitted through genetic uh, recombination and pollination and try to use that to reconstruct what must have been the ancestral state. And so what I think is actually very interesting about the origins of rice question is how much identity is all wrapped up in one's own rices. And so when we also showed uh, recently that Thai jasmine has inherited its aroma gene from basmati, these are heretical concepts for people for whom it's a part of an identity that suggests that somehow in a non-Darwinian fashion, we came into being as precious gems with no connection to other, so sense of self and a sense of other. And what Rice does is it shows us that no, we've been mixing for a long time with others and that our sense of self has to also include those relationships that come from that which is non-self. And I think that's a very profound thing because there are, of course, crops and people have these identities all over the world. But in the rice world, because there's so many different rices, they're all rice. And we get into this issue about identity and origin. Why? Because the human concept of identity distinguishes so deeply between these different groups within Asia. They all claim rice, but heaven forbid, it's not their rice, it's my rice. And so genetics serves this, you know, it's an interesting tracer of where things come from and the fact that they are not what we make them out to be in our own mythologies and our own senses of how the world works. You know, rice supports the the most densely populated parts of the world and it has done for a very, very long time. And there are parts of the world that have had a lot of cultural creativity and a lot of cultural and civilizational diversity. Um, and rice has played a, plays a role in all of those civilizations and traditions, but the place it fits into food systems and how it's cooked and into concepts of, of uh, you know, food and ritual and things is quite different. So we can, we can look at the same crop and it's got lots of different cultural histories and stories to tell. And so I think it's quite, quite an exciting one to work on, in addition to being very economically important and feeding lots of people and supporting these population centers. Thank you.